Welcome to Conversations. And finally, John and Lisa are together. It's been a while. No, people might have thought we might have been in a fight or something. Yeah, I kicked him off. I was like, you are too cute. You're distracting me. I can't have you on my radio programs anymore. Well, uh, that's questionable. I think you're gorgeous. But anyway, uh, you know, Lisa, I'm still reeling. I know it's like beginning of July, but... You know, in June, I got to go on this tour, and it was just beyond amazing. A tour that actually kept me awake at night, and I met a lot of people on the tour, but, you know, I I did what you did a couple years ago. I teamed up with Bethel Music Worship, and uh, we did... John singing, no. (laughs) Oh, the... No, no. no. Oh, my gosh, Uh, We did... Everybody in the studio is going, no, 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 no! Uh, But we did nine cities in 12 days, and we saw Lisa... Over 5,000 people give their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. And wow. every single city, it was New Orleans, Atlanta, it was Memphis, it was um, Lexington, Kentucky. We were in the Chicago area, Kalamazoo, Cincinnati, Boston, New York. And Lisa, do you know who the most rowdy people were of all nine I cities? I do know because you told me, but do you want me not to say it? I mean, everybody would go, okay, one of the southern cities, Memphis, New Orleans. It was New York and Boston. First of all, we went to Boston first, and I said, now I understand. I actually said to the audience, I said, now I understand why New England wins a lot, and they all just went crazy because they love Jesus so much. But then I went to New York, and we were actually at the the, the theater where they do the, the Tonys, theater. the Beacon, yeah. and it was completely sold out on Broadway. And Oh my gosh, they were so passionate about Jesus. I'm still electric about it. So anyway, I survived the 12 days on the bus, but more than survived, I actually enjoyed it. Now, when they're actually hearing this, you're not going to be in a bus, but you're no longer going to be on the continental U.S. Where are you going to be? Well, we're going to Italy and Romania. Yes, we're going to Bucharest first. Yes, and and we're going to speak to 2,500 pastors and leaders. Super excited about that. And then we go from there to a little bit of a sojourn through Italy. And then we go to my homeland. We go to Sicily. Yes. So we're going to be ministering in Sicily. We're super excited about yes. that. Hey, I want to read a testimony, John. And can I just say, we love hearing from you. So it means a lot to us when we get to actually hear from you. But this is a testimony we got, and it says, such an amazing podcast on fervent prayer. It is my favorite. It's one I've listened to many times. It's caused me to press in to a greater level. And shortly after, our four-year-old was born with a lot of health challenges and a total miracle goal in her continue to overcome started walking. Oh, I shared, wow. yeah, this that's awesome. I shared the episode with a friend whose daughter had a lazy, a severe lazy eye. She listened and said it was way out of her comfort zone, but decided to start to pray fervently. The next appointment, the doctor couldn't believe the progress that the eye was getting stronger so quickly. It was so apparent to my friend that fervent prayer is real and effective. Do we have scripture for that, John? Yes. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. James chapter five, an effective prayer is a fervent prayer. And you know, I love that. I, I was listening to Jensen uh, Franklin in the gym this morning, Lisa, and he was talking about that prayer outlasts us. It outlives yeah, us. I love that. And if you want to affect the next generation, pray. Wow. And he said, we underestimate the power of prayer. And if we understood its power, we would not. You know, he said, people's attitude is, oh, I'll pray it about it. He said, if you only knew the power 
of this prayer that you're talking about, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm just going to pray about it. You'd like say, it, well, like it I'm was praying just about like a, it, and yeah. the bombs are coming from heaven. Or, I love or that. The answer's love coming that. from heaven. So, <laughs> that was yeah, not that, politically that correct. That was a say bombs. favorite, favorite podcast, That in the Wilderness. I love doing that. So, gosh, I love these testimonies. And Lisa, when I was on the tour, so many people that listened to conversations were coming up. Oh, we love it when you and Lisa are on. I said, you like how we interrupt each other? He said, we love it. But anyway. <laughs> we give everything people hope. Yes. So this is really fun. You, the next couple episodes, we're going to actually tackle some of the questions that we've had sent in to us. So we're going to put you uh-uh. on like, yeah, I'm going to put you on the Can spot. Can I read on the some questions stuff. and we put you no, on the spot? No, 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 no. We're going to actually today we're doing marriage and family, Uh-oh. marriage and family. I definitely think and, you should be first to answer. Here, here's the thing. We do have a resource for this. We have something called story of marriage, you right. know, for, in a podcast, we can address just such limited amount, but we do feel like there's a, an amazing book where I, I contributed, John contributed, and then our oldest son wove it all together called the story That's of marriage. That's one of the marriage. hardest books I've, I've ever written. And the reason was because of how raw you and I had to become. Yeah. And, but I, then I thought, that I, rawness has helped so many people that I'm yeah. like, I'm okay with it now. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Here we go. So Wesley has Holy asked Spirit, us, please help what me. can a, I can't answer this one. What can a single man do to prepare for marriage? Do you have any dating advice that is practical? Okay. So There's these two, are good two questions, questions, but I really think you can help with this answer because what does a girl expect in a man? Now I, a I believe I know after 36 important. years, but yes, that was my very first thing yeah. I was going to say is, Wesley, make sure that you have a job and you're safe. You can provide at for... At least, and I mean at least, you tithe your 10% so God can bless the other 90, but then you save at least 10%, and you develop a budget. When Lisa and I got married, believe it or not, we made $18,000 a year. When I left the engineering world, I took a several thousand dollar a year pay cut, and my wife and I were living off of 18000 and I'm sitting there going, wow, um, our exact income equals our exact outgo. And so what I did, and this is very archaic, but you can figure out how to do this more, more um, up to date. But you got to remember, we're married in the early 80s. I got six bank envelopes. I would cash our paycheck for the month and I would put so much money in groceries, so much money in our little um, our t- fun time, so much for bills, so much for this. And I, and there were six envelopes. And I said, if we run out, we don't, we don't do anything that month. If we run out of food, we, 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 you know, this is all you got. You're being and, really budget minded yeah, right now. Because, it's like you're Dave Ramsey or something. But here's the thing, because, and I want to say this, Wesley, it's very important. You know, one of the first questions a father's going to ask a young man is how are you going to provide for my daughter? And I believe this is something God puts on a man's life to provide, to give his wife the best possible life that he can give her. That's our responsibility. And it's not for us to put that weight on her. There are times that I've had to make financial decisions that I kind of told Lisa the least amount as possible. I'd never hide something from her, but I didn't want her to know the stress and the pressure. I'm doing that behind your back, making financial decisions. (laughs) But I I never wanted her to understand the stress. I never wanted her to carry the stress on the finances. The other thing that you need to do is treat women like ladies. Open the doors for them, Wesley. You know, pray for them. Treat them like Christian sisters. Don't ever, 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 and I tell my sons this, don't get physical with a girl until you know, you know, physical meaning 
because girls are affected by physical touch and physical oh kissing gosh. and all this. Girl, guys but are too. Make like. sure that you are going to marry this girl. Paul said, treat her like a sister if you're not sure you're going to marry her. So um, there's a lot to it. Keep yourself pure. Get yourself a purity cross, purity ring from your parents. Do that. I mean, these are these are the things that are important, Wesley. Okay. So you so asked that question. I, did, I had to answer. I didn't think it was going to be a budget. You, you you're, tell you're me. Adorable. What, what? Okay. So so first of all, I also would really want to challenge you, Wesley, to make a list of your strengths and your weaknesses. If you can take a personality test, the Myers Briggs one, their free personality test uh, online, and just kind of find out your strengths, and then uh, it was really helpful for me to actually understand that there are people that are better to have in my life that are different than me. So you don't necessarily want somebody that has all the same strengths and all the same weaknesses. You got to kind of want to say, I'm going to have a girl that has strengths where I'm weak and weakness where I'm strong and we're going to build each other up. You also want to have somebody who brings out the best in you, not somebody you're trying to, to win. Like, Oh, I hope maybe she'd like me, but who is somebody that actually challenges you to be everything that God created you to be. And there's this iron sharpened iron relationship early on. And I, I think, you know, it's not about finding the right person. And I think that's kind of this culture. It's all about, I'm going to find the right person. I'm going to find the right person. I'm going to look on Instagram. I'm going to talk to my friends. It's about being the right person. So I think if Wesley takes the time he needs in the spirit to do some hard work on himself, because all of us have baggage, whether we want to have it or not, and just ask God, say, I want you to prepare me, whatever you need to uproot in my life to, so that I can be a husband in the future. I want you to uproot that whatever is is great that you're just like, okay, that's awesome. Show me any selfishness because marriage is one of those catalysts for getting rid of selfishness and show me somebody that I could really love. And, and, uh, as far as dating advice that is practical, I love that you're talking about men being gentlemen, opening the doors and thinking, taking care of things and stuff like that. And I think sometimes that, uh, we've made it like a little weird for Christians to date. We've made it a little difficult for Christians to date. But if you are comfortable with each other in the company of other people, then maybe you can do something that's not a high pressure thing like coffee and then see if you want to take them out to dinner or something like that. But I think that being a gentleman and uh, asking her questions about her, you're going to actually find out a whole lot more about that person. I think a lot of times people are trying to impress people so much they only talk about themselves and then they don't even know the person sitting across the table from them. Yeah, and the, uh, another important thing is be yourself. and Don't try to be something you think she wants you to be. And uh, I, I can't stress enough the importance of develop the fruit of the Spirit called discipline. And so if you have a meeting, show up on time. If you have a bill, pay it on time. Develop that discipline because that's so important for somebody who's a, a leader in a marriage and a home. Okay, here's another question, and, and we kind of talked about some of this already. What does God expect or say our role should be in marriage? Um, it says husband has to work full-time, wife stays home full-time, et cetera. What, we both we have interesting viewpoints on this. Well, we wrote, Again, when we, we wrote, wrote this, this book, book yeah. we feel that every marriage is unique the way every home should be unique in the sense of if a guy's building a house and he made every single house, three bedroom, two bath, they were exactly the same. We wouldn't satisfy the needs of a lot of people out there. Well, a marriage we believe is something that is crafted by the Holy Spirit. We have guidelines in the word of God. We have guidelines that the husband is the chief servant in the home. That's what it means to be head of the home, by the way. That means you're the number one servant. Uh, that's what Jesus showed us when he washed the disciples' feet. He said, hey, you call me Lord and Master. 
right? But here, here's what I'm doing. I'm serving you. I'm the chief servant around here because that was the job of the base servant of the house. He actually displayed that to them. So that is something that is a hard fact that from the word of God, the other facts from the word of God, nourish your wife, cherish your wife. A wife is to respect her husband. So whatever your role is, whatever your role is, develop that, but yet build a marriage that's going to be unique. There, I, I've seen marriages where husbands are staying home with the kids because God's placed something on that wife that's amazing and it's really needed in society. That and sometimes it can be a season. Right, you it know, can like, be a season. Like there's been seasons where where I was making more money and working right. full-time and you were working part-time. Right, because but, I was developing in the ministry. Right. right, but we are both submitted to one another and to God, and that was something we decided between one another. Someone from the outside could have come in and said, John, you're doing the wrong thing. You should have a wife that stays home full-time, and you should... But that just was a different season for us. And what I would say to that is, where's that in chapter and verse? Well, I there don't isn't. see that in Scripture. There right, isn't. because there God isn't wanted us to build that marriage being led by his spirit in those areas. Right. And I, and I think a couple can have a conversation. What is, what do, what's the desire of their heart? If the desire of their heart is that the husband works full time and the wife stays home full time, then God's going to honor that. If the desire is that the wife works part time and the husband works full time, he's going to honor that. If the desire is husband works part time, wife works full time and they want that, that's between them. And I think that uh, we get in trouble when we're really specific about things that God isn't specific about. That's very and well put. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard other ministers saying that if your wife works outside of the household, then you're cursed. And that is a bunch of nonsense because Proverbs 31 talks about, yeah, he talks about that she sees a field, she buys it, she weaves, she sells things. So God made every person, man, woman, young, old, have unique talents and gifts. And we need to give those back to God. And a marriage isn't supposed to make either the husband or the wife less of a good steward but more of a good steward. And so I just want to thank you, John, that you've always pushed me that whatever is in my life would be able to flourish. And we did it with navigating seasons. It looked different when our kids were little and different now that our, our, our boys are men, but seasons. And so I, I just, I hope this person, uh, and it was Felicity that asked this, I hope you just feel freedom in the spirit on this, to have conversations with your husband, conversations with your friends. And, and, and Felicity, uh, I want to say this, you know, I just felt my heart that God had something on Lisa's life. And as our kids get start getting older, I started encouraging her in it. And I had people telling me, oh, no, this is wrong. This is wrong. But when with their advice, I couldn't see it in chapter and verse. I was like, God never said this was wrong. And so here's what I want to warn you about. There are marriage teachers actually out there and, and spiritual leaders that will put a yoke on you that is not from the Word of God. And if they say... Okay, a wife can never work. She's got to stay in the kitchen. I'm telling you, where is that in the Bible? It's not there. In fact, as Lisa pointed out in Proverbs, it's quite the opposite. So when marriage teachers teach, if they, if they put down a, a principle that cannot be altered from, I better see that pretty clearly in chapter and verse. Like a principle is husbands love your wives. That said three times in just one chapter alone. So if a, pre, if, if a minister of the gospel or a marriage teacher goes strong on that, fine. That's chapter and verse. But if he's going strong on the fact that, well, you can't have a couple out there in the workforce and, and having that baby raised by the mother-in-law, don't even 
listen to that because your marriage that the Holy Spirit's crafting in you may just have a season like that, as Lisa said. I think that's really good. Well, we are like out of time. Oh, and my we, goodness, yeah, we are. But yeah, this, there's a couple of amazing uh, questions that I think um, they need to be addressed. And so I think that we can navigate some of more of these later. Okay. Um, Sounds so good. I, I, I actually thought we didn't have enough information, enough questions. We got through two of the five. Are you so, kidding? You and yeah. I can talk a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, Hey, so I want to again, mention story of marriage and it's a resource. And the reason why we wrote that book, we actually did react. John and I both had a reaction of telling people you had to build a two bedroom, two bathroom or three bedroom, two bathroom, or God was going to curse you. And that just really made me mad. We want you to have the freedom to build the marriage according to the call and the purpose of your life and according to the season that you're in. And so that's an exciting season. And your, your marriage is your story that you get to write. You want to honor God. You want to build with certain core things, but nobody can tell you the, how you have to build it. You want, they can tell you what to build it with love and respect, but not how to build it. That's so, good, Lisa. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us today. We want to hear from you. Please write a review, subscribe, or share this podcast through iTunes. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Conversations with John and Lisa. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. And be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can also connect with John and Lisa through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time.